0: Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere.
1: I'm Amina So. And I'm Ann Friedman. On this week's agenda, we're talking about body hair, our feelings about it, and our practices around it, removing it, grooming it, grooming it loving it, hating it, keeping it. Do you yes. love that I did the agenda this week? I'm excited. I love it. I so love when you it do up, the agenda. Switching it, it. it up. I <laughs> love
0: Hi and Friedman. Hello hello. Happy heat of summer. Mm. Comment ça va? Ah, uh, you know, really good.
1: Like on break. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one word. <laughs> Muy bien. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't wait for... This is my version
0: of you asking if I'm writing a book alone.
1: Oh, my (laughs) God. Okay, now I get it. The trolling is painful. I get it. I get it. I get it. Two can play this game, okay? (laughs) How's your book going, baby? Wow. Are you saying something? I
0: think the line's breaking
1: up. (laughs) (laughs) Hello? 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 Hello?
0: Hello? Okay, for real. What are we talking about this week?
1: I talked to journalist Mona Chalabi who is amazing and she has written a lot about her relationship with the hair that grows on her body and just all of the you know the really complicated feelings that you have about it and I'm really happy that we got to connect about it as women who are not white and you know like have like a completely different incentives around like body hair or not the really really honest feelings of um, feeling like you are both trying to preserve your own sanity and do a thing that you think is good for you, but realizing that you might be contributing uh, into, like, patriarchy and, you know,
2: body hair and body hair removal. It's complicated.
1: Oh, I love it.
2: I'm Mona Chalabi, and I'm a data journalist.
1: Hi, Mona. It's so nice to have
2: you on Call Your Girlfriend. Hi, Amina.
1: I'm really excited about this. Me too. I feel like we have been following you forever. We're so lucky to be pals with you. Today's episode is all about body hair, which is a topic that you have done a
2: lot of data journalism about and also have written a lot about. Yeah. I mean, it's honestly the sweet spot of journalism for me. It's something that's like incredibly taboo and yet incredibly prevalent. And that nexus of those two things is what's really interesting to me. I'm so glad
1: that you use the word taboo like out of the gate because for as long as I have been alive, at least, there have been waves of trying to demystify Mm -hmm. body hair. You know, it's the, I think right now I'm in the phase where a lot of my um, like girlfriends who were like very like scared of hair are exploring like like armpit hair, for Mm -hmm. example, like that's having a moment. It's always been a little like more punk or like, you know, like if you're a feminist, like you're cool with body hair what I have been really fascinated on in your writing is that you've written specifically about facial hair, yeah. which is, you know, it's, I'm like, we're not at that wave yet. No,
2: (laughs) I would describe that as like the last frontier. Like, I think we are a long way off women feeling comfortable moving through the world with facial hair. I know women that do it. I feel like it's problematic to describe them as brave, but I view them as brave, even if they don't view themselves as brave. Right. The fact that I view them as brave shows how deeply ingrained those norms are, at least for me.
1: Right. And it's so, it's just so interesting because, you know, I, like, we're all so socialized to believe that women are, you know, you're just like smooth and mm-hmm. nothing happens. And yet I don't know a single woman in my life that does not have body hair that protrudes from every part of the yeah,
2: world. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I have like prominently shared with you the menopause mustache that I'm experiencing right yeah. now and I like weirdly feel very comfortable about it with Oh, it. well, see? Not but brave. That is a new feeling. I don't yeah. know that, that would have happened. I don't know that that would have happened years ago, but I think that like reading a lot of your work and talking to other women about just like, "Oh, this is a normal function of my body. It's not an aberration," mm. right? And it's actually it is like the norm is that women are hairy. Yeah. Like you're hairy on your face. You're hairier on your bum. You're hairy on your vagina. Like you're hairy everywhere. Your stomach. Yeah, 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 Nipples. Let's get to the nipples. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, the stomach one is really fascinating because I didn't know that that was a strip until I went in for a wax one day and they were like, do you also want to get your stomach waxed? And I was like, what? Yeah. You guys charge these like weird strips? And it was really... It was interesting. My first and last uh, my first and last bikini wax ever.
2: See, that I think that's really, really interesting because it shows you how much it's very often women that are socializing other women into this. So there's the image of a man mm-hmm. who's gonna judge you for sure. But a lot of my my self-consciousness about my body here has been from other women telling me where the limits of like what's normal Absolutely, lies. But- so like I'm getting my chin lasered at the moment, and whenever I go in, they're always suggesting other parts of my body to do, and I understand that's the business model, right? But it also means that I don't feel bad about me having hairy arms. But because of me repeatedly going in and every single time them saying, are you sure you don't want to do something about that? <laughs> like it does lodge into your brain. One hundred percent. I mean, it's the number one thing that
1: happens to you when you go get your nails done. It's like one minute you're getting your nails done and then they're like, are you sure you don't want to get your lip waxed? I know. Like, yeah. And yeah. yeah. It's eyebrows. You know, it's just always some combo. So. I think that's so interesting in like a lot of the data that you've uncovered. Has there been anything that has been like particularly surprising to
2: you? Mm. So this didn't really come out in the data. This came out from an interview that I did with an endocrinologist. So I was making this BBC Radio 4 documentary about facial hair on women. And I was speaking to the endocrinologist about my understanding that I had always believed that I have facial hair because I have an excess of testosterone. Oh, wow. Did you think that? No, I
1: did not think that. I thought that I had a hormonal imbalance, but I did not believe that it was like excessive testosterone. Mm. I just assumed that, and I think it's like from whatever my understanding of what PCOS is or any kind of hormonal like period Mm -hmm. issue, I always thought that that's what like too much hair on your
2: body was about if you were a woman so that can be it right Mm -hmm. except that okay so first of all she explained to me that our understanding of excessive hair is wildly off right like for her excessive hair is women who literally will shave their full face and they have a like an 11 o'clock shadow that's excessive hair like my level of hair is completely within the bounds of normal for for someone who identifies as a woman right It's not about an excess of testosterone, it's about the ways that my body responds to the testosterone in my body. So I could have the exact same level of testosterone as a hairless white woman, but something in my genes means that it responds to it slightly differently. But basically, the most important takeaway is that it's not necessarily indicative of some kind of hormonal imbalance. And for us to believe that reinforces the idea that our body hair is an aberration. It's not. It is completely natural, even in the sense of what is considered like biologically healthy and "quote unquote" normal, and that was a bit of an epiphany for me.
1: I'm thinking even about like you know the the everybody complaining about the like the three chin hairs that they have around their period or the. Or the whatever. and really, I wish I
2: could count them but anyway.
1: Right. Um, you know, there was a woman when I was growing up who um, she had like very prominent chin hairs. This was when I lived in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And in um, the culture that she was from, it was a sign of good luck. It Whoa. was like good luck and wealth. And so like women in that culture just like would never like you never plucked your chin mm-hmm. hairs. And I always thought. Um, I always thought she looked so interesting and, and and then, as an adult, I was like why don 't I just adopt that like this is like mm-hmm. this is fine. It could just be a sign of health and wealth like there are cultural, there are cultural reasons that women keep and don 't keep their hair.
2: But it's so fraught. It's yeah. so absolutely yeah, fraught. Yeah. And in the West, it's interesting where our notions of excess come from, right? So the technical definition of hirsutism is by measuring the level of body hair on different parts of your body and then assigning them a score and then totaling up that score, right? Oh, so there's a scale. There's a scale. It's called the ferriman galloway scale, right? And it was developed... By some white men who are doctors, right? Who literally just looked at women's bodies and said, "Mm, that's a four, that's a five. It's so arbitrary. And again, it comes from men who assign what constitutes excessive.
1: The scam on this runs
2: really deep. It runs really deep. And it's only been in recent years that they've developed a different scale for women of color. Because we do have more hair. A lot of us just do naturally. And so part of my understanding of what constituted excessive was about a white notion of how much hair I should have. Yeah. Like I'm only hairy by white standards, really.
1: This I think about this a lot, about the, at the same time that I was understanding, you know, that I was like being sexualized, also just realizing that I was really like seeing so many bodies that just never look like mine. Mm. And then, but also not realizing that that kind of body is a different kind of maintenance. Yeah. I was like, oh, here's what is happening, right? So thinking about like so many just like kids who go through puberty and... You don't realize like, oh, no, people are having laser treatments. People are getting waxes. People are. And that's it costs a lot of money and it costs a lot of time. And people are rewarded and incentivized for it in very different ways.
2: And not just money and time. Like part of the reason why I'm so obsessed with this is it could be easy for people who are listening to be like, this isn't a big deal. There are health consequences to this stuff. I went for a gynecological appointment maybe it was probably too long ago that I got my last smear, but anyway. <laughs> like, Lona, please I know, in. I know, please I know. Go to I know, the OBGYN. I know. That's it's really another bad. Of I know, CYG I know. I know. <laughs> <it>. anyway, anyway. <laughs> so I know. Like, I know. 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 I I know. I I What? You haven't looked at all. And she was like, because you have hair here. And she said to me, 90% of my patients now don't have any hair. And as a result, they're developing bacterial vaginosis because your hair there is critical by acting as a buffer between your underwear and your genitalia, right? It creates this cushion that allows air to circulate, that reduces friction. And so these women are developing bacterial infections because their vaginas are being constantly irritated by their underwear. What's more, as women of colour, we especially shouldn't remove our, our hair, because our hair is coarser and it's curlier, which means that in hairs are more likely, which means that scars are more likely, which means that open wounds are more likely. I have scarring as a result of moving removing my hair. My my snail trail, or happy trail, I've heard it being called over here. <laughs> happy trail sounds much cuter than snail trail, but anyway. I um, think it just depends what kind
1: of relationship you have with your body, is how you refer to it.
2: I'm imagining it as a snail. Like I a love t- the snail tragic, trail. I, I mean, I actually... I, it's funny like on an intellectual level i love the look but on an emotional level when it comes to my own body i still can't tolerate it so like as a result of having removed it for so so long i was left with really really bad scarring really bad scarring that like i thought was going to be permanent and now that i'm lasering it and it's been like maybe two years that i haven't had it the skin is finally healing but like instead of having hair there, I just had like a trail of like dark destruction. Every single hair that I have removed that has like scarred over is like a a circle of darkness that's just like a testimony to me hurting my body. Yeah, a really
1: painful reminder. Can I um, ask you about lasering? To get it out? No. (laughs) (laughs) Please, this is radio. Um, Can I ask you about lasering? Yeah. I grew up being drilled into that people with not white skin or like cannot yeah. do any yeah, kind yeah. of laser treatments. Has that changed?
2: I think it has changed slightly. They're developing new machines. I would still say that our skin is still more more vulnerable to scarring anyway, so mm. it's still more of a risk. I would also say it is agony. Like it is so so painful. Wow. Um, I can't really explain the pain. It's like it's a pain in in a part of your body. You know when you like go to have some new thing done. You're like, wow, I've never been in touch with that part of my body. Like when I had an IUD put in, I'd never had my cervix open. Right. And I was like, oh, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Thank you for triggering me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so like the lasering is underneath the surface of your skin in this wow. way that's like in your flesh and, and the pain passes but it's a lot and the other thing that's really disappointing about it is you know they say you probably need four to six sessions and six sessions has turned into 12 and my hair is still there and it's only now that the woman is conceding yet yeah, it's actually for life you have to constantly do it for the rest of your life and I'm like I signed up for this with the hope that this would be permanent that was mm-hmm. why I'm here and that is why I've literally spent thousands thousands of dollars on this and so now i'm wondering do i do electrolysis which truly is permanent and is truly even more painful than laser or do i really 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 interrogate my relationship with my body here and and embrace it
1: i mean that's the question for for the ages right yeah Of, of how do you how do you feel resolved about that it's something that i I think that so many people can relate to right like on an intellectual level like really understanding like okay I don't want to give in to you know like Mm -hmm. one it's a beauty standard two it's capitalism it's whatever but I think that that's a very that's an oversimplification right Mm -hmm. of if there is something about your body that makes you feel not good or that is truly an impediment to your own pleasure or to your own joy I think that it is worth also examining like you know what like what can i do about that and i think that we are also really talking in you know like a very kind of specific cis um yeah you know, like cis context yeah of of thinking about your like thinking about body hair for some people like body hair is something that they want
2: yeah and absolutely need, you yeah. know, and it's
1: a and it's a signifier of you know a different kind of like positive relationship mm. with with your body it's why I've been like so grateful about the work that you've done around this because I do think that it's something that we are confronted with every day that we still don't quite talk about. Yeah. You know, mainstream feminism feels like we've already handled that. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, we don't do heels anymore. Nobody's conflicted about their body hair. And yeah, it's not true. It's like all of that stuff is really at the forefront of a lot of, you know, I would say like internal battling that a lot of people have. Yeah.
2: And I'm really glad that you mentioned gender. I think, again, if I'm going to be really, really honest, part of my desire to remove my body hair is a desire to protect my privilege as a cis woman. I know I have that privilege. And I worry that if I were to cut my hair, it's part of the reason why I keep my hair super long. If I were to cut my hair shorter and allow my body hair to do its thing, I would be scared that I wouldn't necessarily pass as a woman. And I want that privilege. Mm. It's gross to say, but it's the truth. And there's a lot of people that I know who feel differently and I just have a huge amount of respect for that. They're willing to endure the double take. Right. And I'm so scared of the double take.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that like for me, where it really boils down to is that everybody should do what they want with their bodies where I try to draw the line for myself personally is that I don't want to be complicit in a system that makes other people feel shitty about who they are and how they look. And also like, don't want to ever be in a space where we can't have conversations like these that are just like, okay, Mm. like, let's talk about what we're doing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The the small things that we're doing. I stopped shaving my armpits probably a decade ago. Wow. Just because it's like, you know, it's like if you, if you're a darker skin person, your, your armpits are always just like black. Like there is just Mm -hmm. like shadow is forever. There's always a shadow. And it's a thing that I used to be like really embarrassed and ashamed about. And I, I was like, I care so much about this and I care about it a lot in the context of like, who like, you know, like who is sleeping with me. A lot of times, like, I had to be really honest with myself about that. And I was like, you know what? Like, nobody who has ever slept with me has ever said, like, ugh, like, (laughs) the shadow on your armpit is, like, a huge turnoff. Or these, like, two hairs here are whatever. And I really, and that was the thing that, for me, I really had to examine. I was like, oh, I think that I'm, there's some sort of external pressure, but the pressure is actually very internal. It's obviously from other messages that I've absorbed And so, like, yeah, armpit hair, like, that's a thing that I've, like, never, Mm -hmm. I've never had issues with. Leg hair, same thing. The hair on my face, that has been, like, really, 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 really tough. Mm. Like, for cis women, like, not acknowledging that this is, like, 100% a way that we pass. And it's another way that we really just, like, kowtow to to a lot of like patriarchal um, yeah. systems it's like that's a thing to think about All the it time. is
2: like like you said like me wanting to guard that privilege is also upholding the systems of power that oppress other people right and that's problematic how, how are you feeling about your facial hair at the moment then
1: you know I feel very handsome it just like it takes a while the thing with the mustache is that I just refuse to I refuse to wax it and every time I go get my nails done they will somebody will mention it mm. there was like oh like do you want to get your mustache taken care of and so it was like a tiny act of rebellion against my nail lady is what yes. it started <laughs> as and day to day i feel differently about it but most of the time i feel very like i'm charmed by it i was like it's so cute yeah it's very charming yeah but at the same time i'm like obsessed with my eyebrows right now which are just like not doing what i need them to do and i was like oh here's like a different place where body hair comes in You know, like everybody wants the like bushy that, you know, like the, the like beautiful big eyebrow. And I was like, we are literally like demented human beings. Some places everything needs to go. Other places you're like, I need it to be yeah quite prominent.
2: Why, why do we do it? Is it because it's like a distraction from actual soul searching about other shit?
1: I mean, I think it's actual soul searching. Like (laughs) that's what's going on. It really, I don't know. I think that like, or for me at least, I like one lie that I like to tell myself or a thing that I, I like, I'm not always very honest with myself about is that I think that I don't traffic in like body standard conversations. You know, I'm always like, ugh, like I'm above this. I, you know, I'm like, I'm very like resolved in like my fatness and other parts of, you know, like other areas of like my physicality where I'm like, Oh, like this is 100% not an issue for me. And I talk about it. And then Something like body hair will creep up. I'm like, oh, actually, I have a ton of hangups about this. Yeah. But because I don't have conversations like this about it, mm. it's really easy to feel like I'm above it. And I'm like, no, actually, I'm not above it at all.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> um, right?
1: Like it makes me feel gross. Most of the time, it makes me feel gross. And then it also makes me feel angry. The money part specifically, mm. like makes me feel very angry. Because what would I do with all of the money that I saved from not like doing upkeep all the time yeah Also, what would i do with a like you had a like insane statistic about this the amount of time that women spend on hair maintenance i think it was something like 204 hours it was something like really wild yeah we're being like i'm like i could write my book in those hours like what am i doing with my life it's just like very hard to be confronted with like all of the work that you do to be part of a system that is oppressive,
2: you know? Yeah, and the double standards, right? Like you described it as gross, which I think is such an interesting word. When they do surveys with women to ask them why they remove the hair, one of the most common answers is that it's perceived as unhygienic, 100%. which is so interesting. And it's a part of how I perceive myself. It's part of my self-disgust about the hair is that I perceive it as unhygienic. I sleep with men and at no point do I perceive their body hair as unhygienic. And why Why would I do that to myself? Like what is fundamentally different about my body?
1: Well, because we get messages that reinforce that all the time, right? We are punished for not adhering to yeah. like, certain standards yeah, yeah, of beauty. Yeah all of these studies about like women who don't wear makeup at work and all mm-hmm. this stuff. I'm like, you can think that you're above it for all you want, but other people react to you based on how you present. Yeah. I remember even a couple of years ago when during the Oscars, when Monique was nominated for her role in precious, she has um, unshaven legs. Mm-hmm. And here's a woman who at like pinnacle of her career. Like, and I remember for weeks on end, all of the conversation was cause she was wearing, um, she was wearing like skirts or dresses mm-hmm. that just like hit at the knee it's all that was in the media was how like, oh, it's like, oh, look at these hairy legs. I'm like, this is wild. Here you are like at a professional thing. You are being celebrated yep. for being a really accomplished person. And this is all anybody can talk about that's going on with you. That is something that stayed with me for a really long time.
2: Yeah. And it sends a message to everyone to be like, take care of this or you too will be under the spotlight in this way. Right, like, a-
1: I, like in your professional life, somebody will bring up like a thing that you were doing with your body because that's more important than, than the accomplishment that you're
2: seeing. Exactly, even the nail salon woman, she's saying, when I look at your face, that's the first thing I see, right? And that's your, that's your fear, f- or oh, that's my fear anyway, moving through the world, is that that will be the first thing that people see to the extent that I worry how it might be a reflection on my mental health. Mm-hmm. So when I think of like a woman with facial hair, I think of a very, very old woman who's like on the bus, who I saw growing up right an older woman on the bus with facial hair and it honestly it frightened me it was an indication to me that she was not completely with it right because for you to leave the house with that hair means that you looked in the mirror and you didn't see it or you saw it and you didn't care and the only possible explanation for not caring is that you are literally a bit nuts So I worry that if I if I but it's true I worry that if I have the hair people will assume that I don't see it right so therefore there's something that's not right with me I would never dream of going to a job interview with my chin hair and even in the realm of facial hair I think it's so interesting the distinction that people are making between chin hair and mustache hair so like I interviewed JD Sampson about this and like JD who goes by they and she, has left their moustache hair but removes their their chin hair because they say like they don't like the way that that that, that looks. And some of the women that I've spoken to are like, we don't have full beards, right? It's like this patchy kind of in-between that is so associated with the idea of being unkempt or not, you know? It's like like not even full masculinity. It's like this sad kind of in-between or something. Anyway, chin hair, I would say, is even more stigmatized than a moustache for some reason. Like, I could imagine maybe one day embracing my tash. My chin hair? Forget Especially because my tash is like, it's cute. It's like yours. It's like downy hair. Well,
1: son, it's very cute. It's very cute. It's like a teenage boys kind of, yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, whereas like my chin hairs are like wiry. And like to feel them feels so horrible. And I see whenever I'm in a meeting, I find it so fascinating to look at women. And like, it was also in this study that I read, which was talking about how much time... Women spend worrying about their facial hair, and a uh, certain percentage—I forget how many—but it was a decent percentage of women say that they are constantly stroking their chins to look for the hairs. And I see women in meetings doing this all the time, just this relentless search for like, is there a hair there that I, that I haven't gotten rid of? And if so, I need to quickly run to the toilet and get rid of it. Like, it's genuinely a distraction. It's a preoccupation. I know, but that is really sad.
1: It's like, what would you, what would, what would you do with all those hours? I know. Have them back? I know. That's wild.
2: True freedom is like to have never learnt those rules in the first place, as opposed to even having to do the work of unlearning them. Even that is a distraction, unlearning. Mm-hmm. It's depressing. It really is. not it sounds so trivial, but it's not.
1: I hear you that unlearning is a huge like it is a distraction mm. but for me it's been mostly a, like it's been an education that I really needed because I like for one like having this menopause mustache is uh it's I've been because I've been talking so prominently about mm. it I've also been talking about it with the cis men in my life and it's been funny hearing from them like a lot of anxiety that they have about like growing a beard, for example. And I was like, oh, it's like I didn't know this. And one friend was telling me he's like, no, he's like beards are in now. Everybody is like hashtag beard gang. It's like such a thing. And he's like, I can only grow a patchy beard. And that's a thing that I've always felt like, you know, was a, it was like an assault on his masculinity. Society is really fucked up yeah we could accept each other for like hi like here's where my body's at this is the best i can do and there's not like a best standard of every body feature that you can have and so i will say that for me like this conversation it's been like really illuminating and i'm trying to have like a lot of um just give myself a lot of grace and have a lot of compassion for the people in my life yeah and really and i think like really interrogate like the things that i put um that where like the the, heart, the most pressure is internal. Mm. Because I do think that for me at least with like body hair, it's that. I was like, well, you know, I'm like, I'm a feminist. I like understand some of these things. I like have a strong will about other things. Why is this the part where it's just like a little harder to connect mm. to, so because
2: it feels like it's the it's the real fault line of gender, right? Like in some ways, it was interesting. Again, to speak to JD. If it weren't for their facial hair, it might not necessarily be clear that they were gender non-conforming like it's such a Mm. powerful way to indicate gender and it also gives you an insight into why the patriarchy i would say polices women's facial hair so strictly because then if you're a man who can't really grow facial hair like or only has it patchy at least you have some which is better than being a woman right Mm -hmm. whereas there are women cis women who have more facial hair than cis men and that's potentially intimidating and threatening like if i actually think about it a woman with a beard and tits that's so sexy it's so powerful it's amazing. It's pretty hot. I was gonna ask you about the older women in your life, right? So I'm also interested in how these patriarchal norms get passed down from like older women. And I feel like if I was to if I was to let my facial hair grow, one of the first people to tell me that's not okay would be my mother.
1: I mean, I think that that, that to me is like very um it's very cultural, right? Mm-hmm. I think that you come from a culture where um removing your body hair is like it's the norm. It's like uh, you know, like your people invented that, like, or like like perfected those techniques. Yeah. Black African women, not so much.
2: Oh well. Like
1: there, I would say that like the body hair pressure from there usually comes from like a Western body standard. Mm. So I know like my mom shaved her legs once in a while. Like well. once in a while, but generally like did mm. not shave her legs. We generally like do not do any kind of like vagina maintenance. It wasn't like wildly available when I was a kid, and also I remember like all of the, all of the 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 women whose like bodies I got to see growing up. I was like, okay, everybody has a healthy bush here, mm. like this is great. So like for a long time, I always associated like a hairless, <laughs> uh, like a hairless like down there woman with, with like being white, like yeah. for a long time until and then I had like a lot of um, like Arab and Middle Eastern friends and I was like oh yeah like your culture also prioritizes like legit like depilatory mm. like everything top to bottom but I think it's just it's just like very very interesting I would say now that like for most of that. Like, the African women that I, like, know, like, especially the ones who live in Western countries, like, they are, like, fully on board with, like, waxing everything. Mm. Which is fascinating because I was like, our moms were not that way. I can't say that the older women in my life have, like, passed that down to me. But I do think that a lack of conversation about it is something that, like, you know, I made a meaning out of that silence Mm. for for a long time. Like, it 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 was never a conversation that I was comfortable having with the Mm -hmm. older women in my life and and also just yeah and it's also not a conversation that i thought they would have been comfortable having either it was just like okay we have bodies and we don't talk about them so i think that that creates like its own sorts of problems yeah
2: because as you say you kind of feel that silence with your own meaning Mm -hmm. or you ascribe meaning to it Hmm. the prevalence part of it i think is super important just how non-freakish this is in any way shape or form it's
1: not you're just you like your entire body is covered in hair it it like there is there's a function for all yeah there's a function for all of the hair even the places that you think are not um hairy are hairy yeah like i've been doing um for my face dermaplaning which is this um It's this like my esthetician does it, which I'm obsessed with. But it is this treatment where they take like basically a surgical blade and they scrape (gasps) off your face. No, but it's like good for it's like an exfoliating treatment, obviously. Like the minute I have it done, when I apply an oil or whatever, everything just like soaks in because there's no hair and yeah. they'll show you know like they'll show you like the tiny bit of stuff that they remove but i'm like that's hair it's vellus yeah it's everywhere on your body like i would never say like oh my cheeks are yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah my cheeks are hairy or my forehead is hairy but i was like there is just hair all over your body and mm-hmm. if you don't know that like you know science has like Like, science education has greatly failed you.
2: But it has. It's greatly failed us in every possible Uh way. I mean, the thing that I always think about is how I knew up until a few years ago exactly how to label, like, my ovaries and my uterus from a textbook. Mm -hmm. I had no idea how to look at a vulva and identify the different parts of it. Wow, that's true. Like, and this is even before you get to, like, sex or whatever, just from those textbooks, we should have been learning as well, like... As much about the vulva as about the vagina. Yep. I'm going to
1: tell you uh, that menopause will like make you also feel very different about the hair on your body because mm. I have had some like serious hair texture changes mm-hmm. all over my body top and bottom that have been like very very fascinating like that's the creepiest part so far every time i'm like whose hair is this Like, this is just- how how is it changed like my so like i have naturally curly kinky hair mm-hmm. that's the hair texture that i have and now most of my hair grows back like kind of bone straight it's oh, very wow. weird it's just like it's very weird and also on on the bush i've gotten like a streak of gray hair oh, and' that's I'm, cute it, it happened overnight and i screamed literally I overnight oh, i'm like i'm pretty sure i wasn't paying attention and then the day that i noticed it i was like oh my god this is a susan sontag situation <laughs> there's like a streak Whoa. and freaked out but i was like yeah this is that you know and like called my doctor and i'm like oh my god like i have gray hair am i dying like what's going on and she's like i mean uh all of the hair all around your body can go gray relax so yeah talk about science education failing everyone but that's it but you know that but that's the thing that i found also like quirky and charming where i was like okay your body keeps changing for the rest of your life your body will change and you should probably be very in touch with that so that you're not uh freaked out anytime like a small thing happens in your life
2: yeah i actually asked about menopause and facial hair and it was explained to me that that's that that type of hair is different to the other hair it feels different yeah i
1: am unclear about the science of it but i will say that one of the like very weirdest things about menopause is that my skin feels different to the touch wow yeah like sometimes sometimes like you know like when you're taking a shower or whatever or like i'll be scratching myself i'm like this texture is like this is new and i don't quite know how to explain it it just feels new and then the hair also feels different
2: That's interesting because when we were doing this documentary series about vaginas, I didn't realize the way that your vagina changes as a result of menopause and that um, it's got less moisture to it, basically. Oh, definitely. Less moisture to it. No,
1: it's like a whole, your ecosystem changes. You know, I like, and again, I'm like, this is why, this is why it's good to talk about this. Right. I was like, um. Now, now, all of our, our friends who know us well are like know way too much about us. But no, you know it's what? good. We're, sa- we're saving
2: lives. You really are. And like, especially the way you've been talking about early menopause, I am so, so grateful for it. Oh, I'm in
1: full menopause.
2: Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> full, full menopause, full <laughs> menopause. I, I am so grateful for it because my only understanding of it was watching my mum go through it, like, like many other um, people who haven't been through it yet themselves. And she went through it early. And it can just happen at any point, like anyway, and I need to not, I need to anticipate what's going to happen. I need to understand those changes as they're happening and not be, I don't know. Like, and yeah. also just not have, I think that the thing that
1: going through menopause has like done for me, like the way that it has changed my brain, because it's truly like going through puberty again, but like at an adult stage. Mm it you know where it's like a it's like the same thing where they're just like you just have to go through it there's nothing there's just nothing that you can do to stop it you can't like you just have like it's a get it's on a the train it's next a stop you have to yeah. cross and i had a ton of anxiety like everybody around puberty like it was a mess it was mm-hmm. like a huge it was a, a mess but the thing about like going through menopause now is that i realized that all of the ways that i had been like socialized to be ashamed of my body or anxieties that i have and things like that are like huge impediments to like either talking to my doctor realistically about what's happening to me or feeling resolved for myself about Mm. the ways that my body are changing. And so when I think about like this conversation that we're having about body hair and connecting those dots to just like, oh, it's vitally important to both be in touch with your body at all points, to have zero shame about it, and to really be able to have open communication about it because you know, for better or worse, they're conversations that you're going to have to have for health reasons. They're conversations you're going to have to have for like social reasons Mm. for whatever. And the more that you can exercise that muscle of knowing how to think about it and know about it, it's like, it's vital. And I mean, you know, I'm like, now I like, I try to think of my body as an organ I need to respect. I'm like, you, you get me from point A to point B. We've been through a lot together. Yeah. There's, I was like, this is the only body I'm ever going to have. So Love you know, it. It, does, it does a lot for me.
2: Yeah, yeah. Body
1: hair and all.
2: Again, when you think of body hair in the context of health and you think about actually contributing to your health and you think about how fragile our health is and how much it should be protected and cherished, again, the idea of removing it is just so ludicrous
1: ludicrous ludicrous is the good word it's the good word well is there anything in your conversations for the documentary or the stuff that Mm. you're writing or talking to the endocrinologist that made you feel um that like made you feel hopeful about your own relationship to body hair
2: this is very very cringy but the thought of having like a young a young person in my life who felt stigma and shame about in the way that i am reinforcing that by removing it Mm. really really made me stop and think twice just real, really untangling how deep this goes. I was speaking to this woman who was saying that she's married her, her wife tweezes her chin hair, which I just thought was really I don't know, just so intimate That's and beautiful. Very beautiful. Yeah, she said they like literally just lie on the couch watching TV, and like her wife gets rid of them. And she said she went away into the mountains with a group of other queer women he's literally not a cis man in sight and when they were in the mountains they realized that none of them had remembered their tweezers and they all freaked out even though like every single one of them had facial hair and every like still the thought of beholding each other mm-hmm. in their natural state i was just like oh my god this is so messed up it's so messed up
1: well the next time i see you maybe we'll go to the beach maybe we won't freak out about any body hair that we have and we'll have a great day
2: That sounds really nice, but I'm going to get laser done tomorrow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know what, Mona? I still love you. (gasps) Thanks, Amin. I'm really sorry. Don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. (laughs) You are... um, My friend's mom always says this whenever, um, like, somebody if you know like you complain about a part of your body you're like oh i feel fat or whatever she always says you're just right Aww. and it used to be like a like a thing that i thought was really funny years ago and now i actually think it's the tenderest thing to yeah. say to someone so you know what you're just
2: right thanks amina so are you so are you bye mona bye, thanks, for amina. thanks for having me
0: uh mona is the best One person we really wanted to interview for this episode that um, we didn't end up making it happen, but don't worry, we will have them on at a later date, is the writer and activist Jacob Tobiah, whose book Sissy, A Coming of Gender Story, contains a lot of really interesting stuff about their relationship to their body hair and gender. And um, I just want to recommend that as a really great piece of writing from a different perspective
1: on this topic. Where are you at with your body hair, (laughs) boo-boo? You know, I'm in a really interesting place with my body hair because menopause is like doing a lot to the hair on my body, but I'm still rocking my menopause stash, like haven't gotten rid of it. So I feel very handsome and charming most of the time. Could you describe it for people who haven't seen it? It's very, you know, like it's very subtle. I think that like your hair to you always feels like more dramatic, And but it's definitely like there. It's like very laid down, like very like wispy, handsome young lady.
0: I love it. I mean, also in like a particularly well lit selfie, I feel like I I get a I get the wisp of menostash. Right.
1: Like the shadow, you know, it just Mm -hmm. it just makes me feel like I can do a lot. But that's like something where and Mona and I talked about this where. I used to have so much pressure about removing it, whether it was like, you know, like going to the (laughs) nail salon and then there was like, you want to get rid of your mustache or whatever. And a different iteration. Amina 1.0 would have definitely, definitely stressed out about it. And now I like I don't know why I'm just like a little less stressed about it. The hair on my chin, I like don't feel greatly resolved about. You know, like, some days it's, like, it's fine. And then other days I'm, like, ugh, must, like, pluck this one hair. So that's, like, definitely a point of neuroses. I don't really do, like, uh, like shaving your legs. So that's never been a problem for me, actually. It's so interesting, like, how you feel about hair in different parts of your body, right? Everybody is so different. Yeah, everybody is so different. Like, hair on the legs, like, mm, like, I mean, like, I have it. I have a lot of it. And I, like, truly do not care about it. That's not a point of, like, a uh, stress for me. And then... Armpit hair, like, I gave into, like, not doing anything about that years ago. And uh, it turns out it's fine. I'm going to say this. I'm feeling very good about the hair on my body right now. Turns out it's fine, meaning you thought it might not be? No, just that, like, I think that at different points of my life, I felt that I needed to remove it. And now it's, like, it's there. It's not that I don't think about it. It's that I feel, like, completely fine with the fact that it's on my body.
0: I love having this conversation, like, with friends of mine, like, noticing that they are or aren't shaving or waxing some part of themselves that I know they used to let grow or wax or shave. Like, just noting the change and, like, asking about the process. Like, of course, not, like, strangers in the grocery store. Like, I'm literally talking about wow. my friends. Wow,
1: you're talking to strangers <laughs> in a grocery store about their, like, hair on their body and Friedman. I just don't want to give anyone permission
0: to be a total total asshole to a stranger. But, yeah, but I always love, like, like I feel like it often comes with, like, an interesting perspective on how people are feeling in their body or other choices they're making more broadly. Because, like, you know, there are such strong cultural messages about what people are supposed to do with their hair, no matter what their gender is. So the choices you make about, about your hair, like, are in dialogue with what's happening at a bigger level. How are you feeling about the hair on your body? Well, 2019 has been the year of growing out my underarms, which I mostly did because I've been trying unsuccessfully to switch to a natural deodorant for literally years. Like like there's a whole drawer in my house of just failed deodorants. (laughs) You know, like every time I would read an online review, like this one really worked for me, I would order it and it was, you know, it did not work for me. And I don't know how I got the idea in my head that like this was a variable I could change. But I have to say it has made all the difference. Like my body's like this is probably way TMI. My body smells differently. i.e. much better
1: um, with
0: with more armpit hair.
1: I know. Um, don't you like your like natural body smell? That's like such a good like so into it. Yeah,
0: and but what's weird about it is like it's I smelled like I don't know, like it takes me more days to smell my to smell my armpits now than it did before when I was shaving. Like I don't know what it is about maybe the skin to skin contact makes me sweat differently, but like having some hair in there has really like A made natural deodorant work for me and B really like lengthen the amount of time I can go between showers before I'm like okay like maybe this is a noticeable smell happening <laughs> um I'm really feeling it I mean I do like a like a a slight scissor trim because like otherwise maybe it pinches depending on how I'm like moving but um I am I am feeling having underarm hair I do shave my legs which brings me a lot of pleasure I wouldn't say I do it like every single day but I definitely like it's something I enjoy doing I enjoy having a smooth leg and I still I still do that part of it but maybe who knows maybe in another five years I'll be like oh my god my legs smell amazing with my hair grown out (laughs) I don't know (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) I hope that works out for you it's great (laughs) Thank you. And if anyone needs a whole drawer of natural deodorants that don't work for me, uh, please get in touch. <laughs> I'm just like, they should go to a good home. They're not, they're not getting any use here.
1: I'm going to see you at the pool with um, our hairy armpits and hairy legs and uh, feeling really proud of how our bodies smell. <laughs> S- smell you on the
0: internet. <laughs> smell you on the
1: internet, baby. <laughs> You can find us many places on the internet, callyourgirlfriend.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on all your favorite platforms. Subscribe, rate, review, you know the drill. You can call us back. You can leave a voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. You can email us, yrgf at gmail.com. Our theme song is by Robin. Original music composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. We're on Instagram and Twitter at CallYRGF, where Sophie carter Khan does all of our social. Our associate producer is Jordan Bailey, and this podcast is produced by Gina Delvac.